Our text this evening will be taken from the the book of John, the 13th chapter. That's uh, John 3, verses 1 through 7. There was a man of a Pharisee's name, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to the Jews by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I send to thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. You know, there's a, there's a common theme here in these uh, seven verses. It's used three times. It's that we must be born again. I'm thankful from a very early age that I knew that I needed to be born again. You know, that is truly a blessing. I'm thankful that the foundation of our church was built on being born again. And over a hundred years later, we can still walk into a, an apostolic faith church service and hear the message that we must be born again. I'm thankful from a, even a child, I knew that I was born in sin. Even if I didn't have a, a lot of sin on board, I knew that I needed to give my life to Christ. I knew that the only, ultimately, the only way that I was ever going to make heaven was that I needed to be born again. And I'm truly thankful and grateful for that. What do we know about Nicodemus? First, we know that he was a wealthy man. We know that when Jesus died, Nicodemus brought him a mixture of myrrh and aloes, and it said it weighed about 100 pounds. We also know that he was a Pharisee. We know that uh, the Pharisee, they would have spent uh, their whole life observing every detail of the scribal law. We also know that he was a ruler of the Jews. This would have made him a, he was a member of the Sanhedrins. The Sanhedrins was a court of 70 members and was a Supreme Court of the Jews. And one of his duties would have been was to be suspected of being a false prophet. His duty was to find those which would be a false prophet. You know, the, the question here could be asked, why did Nicodemus come by night? We really don't know exactly why, but we can kind of, I guess, think about this in a way that, and there's a couple ideas here that I jotted down. First, he, he might have worried that he might be seen 
by somebody else. He, Nicodemus, might have been embarrassed that somebody might see him talking to Jesus. I remember just the Sunday, our Sunday school lesson, it was on prayer. And I gave an example. I had got saved at the end of my freshman year, going into, and I had got sanctified that camp meeting in my soft, going into my sophomore year. And I remember I wanted to take a stand. I, I wanted to make sure that when I went there that I wasn't embarrassed to pray over my food. And that seemed like kind of a simple thing, but I made sure that very first day that I was going to bow my head and pray over my food. At our school, we had an open campus. I remember going out to lunch with a couple of the guys. We went to a KFC, and I remember bowing my head over my food that, that time, and I remember looking up and seeing two people staring at me. And the first thing they asked me, where do you go to church? You know, the, the devil, he made that a lot bigger than it really was. It really wasn't that embarrassing. It only became easier after that. But sometimes we can be embarrassed of things. And you know, and being embarrassed can hinder us from receiving the blessings of God. You know, we often worry what people might think of us. I think maybe a little bit here, Nicodemus might have worried what people think of us. You know, I mean, spiritually, we don't want to worry what people think of us when we are doing the right thing that God has asked us to do. Another reason that could be that Jesus, that Nicodemus came by night is because during the day, Jesus had a lot of crowds around him. And maybe he wanted some undisturbed time with Jesus. But we know that Nicodemus, he was very impressed with what Jesus was doing. He had been watching Jesus and seeing Jesus doing miracles. But Jesus let him know here that there is one thing that is the most important thing. And that most important thing that he let Nicodemus know that he must be born again. He must have a radical change in his life. You know, I've, I've heard this a few times, and I've even heard people kind of um, say this incorrect. But when you are born again or a radical change and you give your life to God, I've heard people say it's a, a 360 degree change. We know that's not the, the right terminology. We, we know what they're trying to say. Truly a 360 degree, it's a, that would be a trip around the edge of a circle, meaning that you would face the same direction you started. You know, when we get saved and we get born again, we want to make sure we're not facing the same direction we started. We want to have a 180 degree change in our life. That means we are facing the exact opposite direction. Our desires were this one way, and our new desires is going this direction. We want a 180-degree change in our life. You know, we will never be disappointed in giving our life to Christ. Looking in my own life, I can always say that it was the greatest or the best decision I ever made. There is no disappointment. You know, I was thinking of disappointment, and the thing that came into my mind was, I think everybody enjoys to eat. And um, 
Often when I, I go to a, a restaurant to, to get a meal, I generally always, once I figured out what I like, I always order the same thing. The reason I order the same thing is because I don't want to be disappointed. Once I figure out what I like, I always stick with it. I have found that if I try to veer off, I find myself disappointed in what I ordered. So I was thinking about a, uh, everybody likes to eat a steak dinner. The very uh, first cruise that my wife and I ever went on back then, and I don't know if they still do this, it's been a long time since I've been on a cruise, but they used to put other people at your table. And there was one gentleman that was at our table and you could order as many meals as you would like for dinner. So he always ordered two meals. One meal every night was a steak dinner and his other meal, of course, he'd order whatever, another entree. But I always assumed that if he felt like he was disappointed with the other meal, he could always fall back on that steak dinner. He didn't want to be disappointed at all. A couple years ago, I was one uh, Saturday night after one of my son's uh, basketball games. We, uh, it was kind of late. There wasn't a much open. The only thing actually open was a Denny's. So at 10 o'clock at night, I, I, we were at a Denny's. And um, the gentleman next to me, he decided to order a, a steak dinner there. I had never ordered a steak dinner at a Denny's before, definitely not at 10 o'clock. I don't think I'd ever ordered a steak dinner at Denny's, but I decided if he's going to order a steak dinner, I'm going to order a steak dinner. So I don't even, I, I think it was only around $12 or $14 for a, a full steak dinner. And I remember when that steak came out and it wasn't, it wasn't as little as I thought it would be. It had a nice piece of butter on there and they had put some chives in the butter and it started to melt on the steak. And I remember starting to eat that steak and, and Hannah kind of was looking at me and wondering and I said, and she asked me, is it a good steak? And I remember telling her, I said, it's, you know what, it's a really good steak. Because it was kind of a perspective thing. When it's only a $12 steak, your expectation is a little bit lower. But I have to say, even today, it was the best $12 steak I ever ate. But I have went to restaurants where maybe the steak is a little bit more and your expectation is a little bit higher and I've had steak at those places too, where by the time I get, got the steak and I started to eat it, I was very disappointed. But you know, we will never be disappointed when we give our life to Christ. Sometimes, you know, we're disappointed simply because we had a certain expectation. We expected something to taste a certain way and it didn't taste that way. But with Christ, when I got saved, I had no idea what it was going to feel like when I got saved. I guess I kind of had an idea. I had been raised. I had been brought here. But I have to say, when, when I got saved, it was much better than I could have ever explained it. You know, sometimes, you know, we have a hard time recognizing God or seeing God in our spiritual life. We see an example of this in uh, Luke chapter 24. It speaks of two men. It says they were on their way to a village called Emos, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were discussing the things which happened there in Jerusalem. 
And it says here that Jesus joined these two men. He could tell that there was something wrong. It says they could tell that on their faces there was grief. There was disappointment. You know, sometimes you can see disappointment. You know, when I, when I think of disappointment or grief, I often I, I think of a child. And in sporting events, you know, they, I know when, when they're little, they don't like to keep track of score anymore because they don't want to make any of the kids be disappointed. But, you know, when, when, when they get a little bit older, there, there is a score. And sadly, there's always going to be a team that loses. And there's always one team that's excited, and you can see the disappointment on the other team. But they, had, they were disappointed. They had grief. And at this point, they could not recognize Jesus. And it says here that Jesus, he expounded to them the things concerning the scriptures. But they still didn't recognize him. They even talked Jesus and staying the night. It says here that they, they took bread with him. It says he, he blessed and he broke it and gave it to them. And it says at that point, their eyes were open and they could recognize him. You know, God, he, he doesn't force himself upon us. He gives us a free will. He didn't force himself upon these people. It was a choice. It's always our choice to give our life to God. Even being raised in a, a good home, a Christian home, and coming to church, it was still a choice that I had to make. It wasn't a choice that my parents could make for me. It wasn't a choice that my family could make for me. It was a choice I had to make for myself. You know, we look at breaking bread here. It almost sounds like sacrament, but it says but it was just an ordinary meal. You know, uh, I don't know if there's any such thing as a ordinary church service. I think every church service we come to is a special church service. You know, we, we at times, sometimes I think we, we get caught up and think we need to wait for camp meeting or we need to wait for a revival. But you know, God is always moving and God is always looking for a hungry heart. At any given time, we can have a revival in our own life. We don't need to wait for anything, a big special meeting. We just need to come to God with an honest heart and God can answer those prayers and set us free anytime. What can we learn from these two men? First thing I think we can learn is that when we receive something from Christ, we wanna share the good news. It says it was seven mile journey back to Jerusalem, but they wanted to share the good news. So what did they did? They went back to Jerusalem to tell other Christians about what happened. You know, that's just the way it is when we get saved. When we get born again, we want to go tell somebody. I often, we so often hear of testimonies of those who, you know, they were going to get saved and they weren't going to tell anybody. But, you know, it doesn't work that way. When you get saved and, you know, the burdens are rolled away, you want to go tell somebody what God has done for you. But, you know, spiritually, we also, we need to grow. It says here in uh, Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, when I, when I think of growth, you know, we need to grow spiritually. And every parent, they want to know how tall their kid will be. 
You know, I, I was thinking of growing, I was thinking of growing pains. Growing pains, of course, uh, it says it's a cramping or aching of muscles. I even remember as a kid, my, my dad, I would be complaining and my legs were hurting. And he was saying, those are growing pains. You know, spiritually growing at times, there may be growing pains. But you know, the way we get through that is by being close to God. There will be growing pain. There's nothing been promised to us that when we give our life to Christ, life's going to be easy. But we have Christ on our side. And he, there will be growing pain, but God will be with us and he will help us. You know, it, we even bring our children to doctors when they're young. And, and they'll check them to make sure they are growing properly. We want to make sure spiritually we are growing properly. We want to make sure that we are checking in with God every single day and have the Lord searching our heart and making sure we're where we need to be so the Lord can use us. You know, I was thinking of this. I mean, even there are what we call growth charts. I don't think we're going to have a spiritual growth chart, but we know a growth chart is for kids and it's more of an average but they say you should be at a certain point at a certain time. You know, there's even a, uh, a formula for parents to kind of predict how tall their children will be. It says if you add mom's and dad's height together, it says if you add five inches for the boy and subtract five inches for the girl, and if you divide it by two, give or take it said four inches, you can kind of predict how tall your children should be. Truly, we know ultimately genetics will decide how tall you will be. Generally speaking, if you have smaller parents, you will be smaller. If you have taller parents, you will be taller. But you know what? I'm thankful that in our spiritual life, there's no such thing as genetics. You know, we, we don't have to worry about genetics holding us back from being tall. If we want to grow strong with Christ, the Lord will help us to grow strong with Christ and grow tall in the eyes of the Lord. You know, in um, closing tonight, you know, sometimes I, I think we need to find ourselves stepping out of that comfort zone. We, you know, we all have a, a place where we call our comfort zone, but I've learned the Lord, he doesn't always use that comfort zone. I don't even think the Lord sees a comfort zone. The Lord will often will tell you, you know, I don't really want to do that. I don't feel comfortable. I don't like being there. I'm not good at that. But I realize the Lord, he doesn't use that. He wants us to step out of our comfort zone. The Lord really wants to be able to use us and allow us to work. And the only way we can do what the Lord wants us to do at time, we must step out of that comfort zone and then the Lord can truly use us in those moments. Tonight, if you're maybe not where you should be and maybe you're not growing spiritually, maybe you, you haven't given your life yet to the Lord, this is a great opportunity. Once again, like at the end of every service, we have an opportunity to come to these altars of prayer and we have an opportunity to reach out to God. And we know that on the word of God, where you know there are two or three gathered, God will be there. And I believe that God is here tonight. He wants to bless. The song is 483 and the altars are open.